Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you, ready to close out the week and doing so in fashion, Jonesy. An eight-game winning streak for the Toronto Raptors as they get the victory last night, as we thought they probably would or should. But, hey, cliche goes, you got to go play the games. And the Raptors did just that, and it didn't look pretty early as they fell down by double digits and gave up 41 in the first quarter on 76% shooting to the Rockets. And then when the dust settles, they go up by 20-plus. They end up winning by, well, they win by 19, but I think they should have won by 21. And, and at the end of the game, a very bizarre play involving Kevin Porter where he bounced the ball off the floor on his own bucket, and it went off the glass, rolled around the rim, and went in before time expired. And for some bizarro reason, the officials came over to the scorer's table to discuss the play, ultimately did not review it, and the game ended. That bucket was 1,000% in before time expired. So it should have counted for the Raptors. It wouldn't have mattered to the final score, but it certainly calls into question, you know, gambling, point spreads, all of that stuff. Um, and I'm not really sure why that bucket wasn't credited to the Raptors, but so be it. Either way, the Raptors, eight wins in a row, and now heading home for just one game before going back out on the road. That game tomorrow night when they host the Denver Nuggets. But uh, how about Gary Trent Jr., Jonesy? Uh, he's he's really, really playing well right now, Eric. Um, and, yeah, you and I saw that. And, and there are all kinds of, as you said, uh, gaming implications on on buckets at the end of the game and particularly when they particularly when they happen uh, but with a player putting the thing in his own basket I mean you know for people that uh, for people that are familiar with the ESPN show Scott Van Pelt and Bad Beats I mean there was one the other night where the spread was Kentucky by 11 and they're, I think they're playing South Carolina. They were up big at the end of the game, and it was in well, kind of quasi garbage time. The game was close, and it, then it wasn't close. And then Kentucky was up 11. They got a rebound. Uh, the spread was was 12, and they threw it full court to a guy who was just kind of hanging out at the other end. He caught it with like two seconds to go. Nobody on the same side of the court as him waited, waited. You know, like, yeah, I'll kill the game. And then he thought, no, I'll go up and I'll dunk it. And he went up and he dunked. And they had to go and review to see if it was, if it beat the buzzer or not. Because it had huge implications on, on the number and a whole bunch of money. So anytime there's anything like that. Um, and it, it, Kevin Porter Jr., young player, may not know the history of it. But there are some seedy and ugly scandals in terms of gambling and point spreads and point shaving uh, when it comes to when it comes to basketball. I mean, the one that I remember most is uh, Boston College. And I mean, there have been one since then, but that was the one that stuck with me in my days because I was playing and guy guy would make a guy would make a, a bad play. And somebody would say, what are you shaving points? And like, well, there's no lines on us in Canada, but it just stuff comes to mind like that. So I. I, you know, I know the NBA has all these seminars and discussions with players about uh, gambling and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that was that was bizarre last night, Eric. It really, really was. 
Yeah, now I will say, and I think I'm right with this, I think, because I'm going on memory, Jones, and that's always bad, especially when you're my age and you're trying to go on memory of, of 12, 18 hours ago. But I remember looking at one of the one of the sites, I don't know if it was ESPN or C, but one of the websites yesterday that, that shows you in the game previews the, the spread as well. I believe the Raptors were either minus seven or minus seven and a half. So at the end of the day, and I it, like the over, I don't even know what the over under was, but even if it was like 220, well, the Raptors got that on their, you know, like more than half of that on their own. So I, point being, I don't think that bucket ultimately would have played into anything at all, I don't think, in terms of gambling. But that said, <laughs> as we know at the Super Bowl, there's about a 1,000 or 5,000 prop bets and side bets and over-under in a quarter versus a half versus the last two minutes of a game. The last five. I mean, there's you pretty much bet on everything. So maybe I'm wrong in saying I don't think that bucket would have impacted any actual um, – Wager that's available because maybe it did. Maybe it impacted a fourth quarter over under money line point spread. Away. I don't know. So that's why I'm kind of surprised that the officials didn't look further at it. Because again, I'll repeat, it was a thousand percent in. Like that was in before the buzzer went. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But so perhaps we put. Uh, perhaps, well, go ahead. I was going to say perhaps we put that to bed because that's like the 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 maybe the yeah. smallest story of an otherwise incredible night for the Raptors. Yeah, and, and remind me to ask you once we get into the last hour and we start talking Super Bowl, because we won't be on again until after the game has concluded, like how many how many people on the stage are going to wear glasses at halftime? <laughs> Eminem, Mary J. Blige. You can bet on that. Eminem, Mary J. Blige, uh, uh, Snoop, Dr. Dre, uh, you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Is, is, is Dr. Dre a sunglasses guy? I, I don't. Snoop, I would bet for sure. Snoop, I would go glasses for sure. Dr. Dre, no. And then after that, like you're 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 flipping a coin. But well, didn't you? Yeah, tell there me were bigger yesterday. stories last night. Hold on, yeah, hold on, hold on. You brought it up now, so we're, we're we'll switch to the Raptors in a second. But just because you brought it up, because we can discuss this later too, and we'll have some fun with it. Maybe maybe we can give out some of our favorite prop bets. But call this a teaser. Didn't you tell me yesterday that you saw somewhere or read somewhere that there's a prop for will Eminem have a beard? Didn't you say that? Yeah, will he? Ha- yeah, will he have a beard, and will he wear a hoodie or a hat? Okay, now listen, <laughs> folks. Don't don't take Uncle Eric's advice here, because if I'm wrong, I don't want you coming at me. I'm not paying you back if I'm wrong. All right. But I saw an interview with Eminem yesterday, and he's got a beard, and I believe he's had a beard for at least a few months, if not a couple of years. So unless he decides between now and Sunday to shave, or unless one of his boys got to him and said, hey, man, we could make a lot of money by dropping down a whack of cash on you not having a beard. So, hey, how about on Friday or Saturday, shave so that you're clean shaving for the Super Bowl and we'll rake in a ton of dough. Point being, unless he does that, Eminem's got a beard right now. So if that prop is available, I'd be throwing some cash down on Eminem having a beard on Sunday. Well, and, and, and Eric, that's just it. You know, I was talking to a friend who said, I mean, they can look at this stuff. Like, what color is the Gatorade? I mean, if you're the Rams equipment manager uh, and you think you're going to win, uh, mix it purple and bet a whole bunch of money on, on the color of purple Gatorade. Or, yeah. or like, will, will, the, will the Gatorade shower take place before the end of the game or after the final gun? Will it... Or will it not take place at all? 
like how many buckets of Gatorade? One or two? Like I was looking at some of the props that, that one of my buddies sent it to me. Look at these. I mean, it is crazy. It is crazy. You can bet on the, the length of time for the national anthem, Eric. Wouldn't that one be easy to fix, right? Oh, for like sure. Like Jonesy. You know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a famous singer, and you're one of my you're one of my friends, or you're one of my boys, or you're in my group, you're in my you're in my crew. Hey, you know what, man? Make sure you go for 156 because the over under is 152. You tell me I wouldn't be able to stretch out an extra four seconds, let an, ex, an extra one second to make sure that it goes over. Like I agree with you. There's some of those things that you call into question. Go, man. There's a whole lot of potential for collusion in here and some some inssider trading. But I don't know. Smarter minds than Shady. mine, I guess. I have no idea. I, like here, yeah. Here's one I can remember, and this will bring it back to basketball. I remember somebody telling me, and I didn't bet any money or put any money down because, hey, I don't, I'm don't. i 99% sure we, we can't because of our, our jobs and our roles. But I remember somebody telling me there was a prop when Kawhi first came back to Toronto for the first time since leaving the Raptors after the championship and coming back with the Clips. And it was, will the, I don't even know how it was worded, but basically, will the Kawhi laugh, the infamous Kawhi laugh, right? Will it be mm-hmm. played during his return to Toronto? I thought right away, I'm like, knowing the game op folks in Toronto, there's a thousand percent going to be a tribute video. And are you telling me at some point in that video, they're not going to have either Kawhi laughing at his introductory press conference or Kawhi laughing at the championship parade celebration at Nathan Phillips Square where he took the mic and, and got it from Matty D and was addressing the crowd and at the very end and in his final, you know, and, and, and remember, uh, ha, ha, ha. Like, guaranteed yeah. they're going to play that. So I don't know who made money off that, but that would have been one where I'd be like, hmm, insider trading? Yeah, I could probably I, – I didn't know for sure they were going to do it, but I would have bet the farm that they would have played it. And sure enough, they did during the tribute yeah. video. I think they played both of them, the, the introductory press conference and the, the one at the uh, championship parade celebration. Like, well, I don't know. Well, we need, we need to make better, better friends that are on the inside that can get us some little inside on, on, on NFL no, prop bets no, and musicians Eric, and stuff, no. Jonesy. You're a Sopranos guy. Then people start talking, <laughs> giving you phone calls about your wife and your son. And like, no, we are just, let's be just like two broke dudes that call games. That's it. That's what we are. And, and, and we're getting good games to call right now. If you're, how about, how about if you put a nickel down on Gary Trent Jr. last night? I don't know what the over under was, but I'm sure it wasn't 41 and a half. I mean, no. he was, he was going to town last night. How well did he play? And what kind of a groove is he in right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, 30-point for, for, games? Remember the stat we saw? He's had 10 30-point games in his, in career. his career. Yep, yep. And six in the last 10 games. Six in the last 10 games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the, hold on. Where, where's the other stat? We shouted it out on the vlog. Um, I'm going to pull it up here if you don't have it handy. I've got it, I've got it in our chat. It should be there we go. Right here. Shout out to our guy, Jer Manitad. We love Bafo. Bafo is our producer on Smith & Jones, which, by the way, might be changed. I think, Jones, you just came up with a new name for the show, Two Broke Guys That Call Games. So, is that what you said? That might be the yeah. new, new name of the podcast. Smith & Jones is being renamed Two Broke Dudes That Call Raptor Games. Um, 
J.R. Manitad, those are our producer on the Raptors broadcast. How about this one? Not just Gary Trent, as Jonesy just said, 10 30-point games in his career, and six of those 10 have come in the last 10 games. But 40-point games in Raptors franchise history. Okay? 40-point games in Raptors franchise history. Number one, Vince Carter, 14. DeMar DeRozan, 13. Chris Bosh, 9. Kyle Lowry, 3. Pascal Siakam, or sorry, Kyle Lowry, 4. Pascal Siakam, 3. Kawhi Leonard, and now Gary Trent, 2. And here's a trivia question for you, Jonesy. You actually, well, I'll say say it to you, but you've got the answer in front of you. I'll say it to the audience. I'll give them, like, maybe, you know what? I'll give them until the next segment to come up with the answer. Folks, I'm going to trust you that you won't Google, all right? All right, we're we're going on on your word on here. On your honor. On your on honor. On your honor. All right, on your honor here. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in franchise history that have done it forty plus once. Eight players. Could you name me five? Could you give me five of the eight? Maybe we'll give you the answer. When we take our commercial break and come back into our next segment again on the honor system, no Google. Can you give me five of the eight players that have scored 40 plus for the Raptors one time? I think I would have got five, probably would have got six, maybe even seven. But there's one guy that I definitely forgot about. Definitely forgot about one guy for sure. I, but Jones, I could only get one. Like uh, when you said that yesterday, and and our, our man Jr. sent that. Really, in. only one? No, Jones, you would have got have, more than one. I would have had to really. My brain goes foggy under pressure like that. It does. I mean, I've seen practically every game in franchise history, and sometimes they all run together. But there was one that I do remember. Um, one afternoon in Milwaukee. There's a hint for people. That's the one yep. that I would have got. Okay. Uh, I think it was you. You and I, wasn't it? That one. Uh, it was. Yep, yeah. it was. Well, I mean, back then we were doing all the games, right? Yeah, and and we looked at each other like, what, uh, what what's going on here? And as my late father had the great line, the guy's playing out of his mind. The drugs have either kicked in or they've worn off. I don't know which one, but he's he's just, he's he's going to town. Oh, yeah, that one I would have got. I don't know if I would have got some of the others. I w- they would have been as, to be a good trivia question, it has to be what I call a bell ringer or a forehead slapper where you give the answer and the person goes, oh, yeah, like, like it, yep. it bing, the bell goes off or, oh, you slap in the head, your forehead on your palm on your forehead and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the, if the, if the, the person that couldn't get the answer doesn't do that, they're either not really in tune with the trivia or, or, or B have no clue. So, and, and, the others that you told me, I w- they were bell ringers for me. Really? I'm surprised yeah. by that. I, I I'm just... surprised by that. Here, here, here's another hint. You already gave away one hint by mentioning an afternoon Milwaukee. I'm going to give one more hint, sort of. Bob Duncan, he writes in. He's a regular. He writes in daily. I don't know if he hits you up, but he hits me up almost daily. He listens to Smith & Jones. Bobby says, I can only think of Danielle Marshall, but it's too early for my brain. Well, Bob, you're wrong. Daniel mm. Marshall is not one of those. So there you go. That's no. a little hint. Daniel Marshall is not on that list. 
That Not day, Danielle Marshall went crazy. It was a Sunday fact, afternoon. Matt, another guy, Matt, just wrote in and said Danielle Marshall as well. Nope, Danielle no. is not on that list. Now, Danielle at that time had the record for most three-pointers by a Raptor and I think tied Kobe uh, for most three-pointers by an NBA player ever. And D. Marsh did that off the bench. And if I'm not mistaken, see this one I know. I believe he had 38 that Sunday afternoon. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo, 38. And Matt, See, some Matt of them, wrote some in. Of them. Yep. Yep. Matt wrote in and guessed a bunch of guys, but Matt, you weren't listening. You gave me guys that did it multiple times. We're not talking about Vince DeMar, Chris Bosch, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, or Kawhi Leonard. They all did it multiple times. Vince did it 14 times. We're looking for five of the eight, unless you think you can do all eight, five of the eight that did it just one time. And again, honor system. No Googling. No researching, just going on your brain. All right, let's jump back to the 40-point performance last night for Gary Trent Jr., 42, one bucket shy of tying his career high, but a monster performance from Gary Trent Jr. as the Raptors blow out the Houston Rockets, 139-120, the final in Jonesy, that victory, eighth straight for the Raptors, comes on a day where, of course, it was trade deadline day, 3 o'clock Eastern yesterday. The deadline came and went, and the Raptors made a move. In fact, they made the move right before we left the airwaves on Thursday where they sent Goran Dragic to the San Antonio Spurs, got Drew Eubanks and Thaddeus Young. They since have waived Mr. Eubanks and Young, I think. I don't know this for with, with, with certainty, but I'm pretty sure Thaddeus Young should be in uniform tomorrow when the Raptors get set for the Denver Nuggets. Um, we were kind of rushed to get off the air a little bit yesterday, but before we hear from Bobby Webster, GM of the Raptors, uh, maybe refresh the audience on your take, which is pretty much the same as mine, on the reaction, the, the, the analysis of Thaddeus Young joining the Raptors. Well, I, and, and for me, Eric, he's a, uh, we talked about this, <clears throat> excuse me, on the broadcast last night, He's a solid locker room guy from everything you hear. We've never been in a locker. I've never been in a pro locker room at the NBA level, but from what you hear, he's, he's a, a really good locker room guy. You don't last this long in the league by being a locker room lawyer anyway. Um, a good veteran. He's going to be great for the young guys. And what I like about him is he's just a solid player. He's good offensively, <clears throat> stays in his lane, uh, understands his role, does his best to facilitate the offense, screen setting, offensive rebounding, moving the ball, cutting. And then on the defensive end, I mean, here's a guy who's in the later stages of his career, but he can still, he still sits in his chair and guards people. And, I mean, he's going to give, um, he's going to give great minutes and it really shores up the depth and, and gives the bench gives Nick Nurse more options and combinations off the bench. And look at, look at the uh, player profile. Size, length, all of those things. And he's got experience, too. So uh, I, I love the move. I really, really love the move. He's an expiring contract, so you can see what you want to do at the end of the year. Um, you know, you, you got rid of the, the Dragic millstone around your neck. I, I just I like this move. I really, really like this move for the Raptors. I I, I like it as well. I, as I said, going into it, 
your your assessment, your analysis is pretty much echoing mine, so I won't even say any more. I like the move. I think it's good. Uh, the only thing I guess I I, I, I I don't question it. I'm not concerned about it, but it definitely does go, mm, okay, what is going to be made of or done with the backcourt? Because you've pretty much got a bunch of frontcourt dudes now when you go to the second unit with Kem Birch, with Precious Achua, with Thaddeus Young, with Chris Boucher. There's not a lot in terms of the backcourt. But if last night was any indication, Delano Banton had another strong game, and Malachi Flynn with no Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet didn't play with the sore groin. Flynn played pretty well. And it spurts like that. We just talked about this on yesterday's show, Jonesy, when we talked about the second unit. Nick Nurse has given guys opportunities. They can't say they haven't had their chances. And he's also proven over the course of his time as head coach that he's willing to go back to guys too and willing to ride a hot hand or a player that's, that's performing well. So I may be wrong with this. Assuming Fred Van Vliet's healthy and back in the lineup for tomorrow's game against the Nuggets, maybe we don't see Malachi Flynn again because... You know, you've got Thaddeus Young you're trying to work in. You've got Banton who's been getting minutes fairly consistently, excuse me, consistently of late. So maybe there aren't minutes for Flynn, but wouldn't surprise me based on how he played last night if Nick Nurse suddenly starts creating a few more minutes for him or there is opportunity for Flynn to get in there a little bit more. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I agree. And and when you say that, Eric, oh, well, there's just front court dudes. Well, some of those front court dudes can handle the ball if you leave um, – in the starting unit, if you leave them on the floor, like if you have Banton, Barnes, and and Siakam on the floor, you've got three ball handlers, you've got three playmakers, and the way Pascal is just, you know, bullying people into the lane, and alarm bells go off on a defense when a guy has the ball in the paint, especially when he's a good player, uh, a kick out, swing, swing, move the ball. And you got OG, who, by the way, can also go into the paint and get you stuff. And, and you don't necessarily need a classic point guard. If you're moving the ball and sharing it, all you need is somebody to initiate that. Um, you know, look at what happens with Fred when other people get their hands on the ball and Fred can spot up and, and, and be a standstill catch-and-shoot guy. But I, I, I don't worry, Eric, because what I see in Toronto in the culture is Guys who understand how to play, who are multifaceted, multi-tooled with their skill set. You know, I, we always thought about it, uh, we always, and we always joked about it. As a six-footer, when you get another guy on you who's, you know, six feet or 5'10", what do you do? If you're a basketball player, you go down in the post. And then, I always said, inside of every six-footer is a seven-footer dying to get out when he goes in the post. And inside of every seven-footer is a six-footer dying to get out when he's handling the ball and shaking his head and going between the legs out on the perimeter. And Nick Nurse has guys like that. There, there's a lot of guys like that that are 6'8 and can be bigger than 6'8 when they want to play that way or smaller than 6'8 when they want to play that way. So I'm not worried too much about initiating offense or getting that stuff going because I just look at the talent, and the skill level, and this is part of the development. And this is something we were missing back in the old days. Oh, he's seven foot. Don't let that kid dribble the ball in the perimeter. Well, no. Or he's, you're six foot. What are you doing down there on the box calling for the ball? Like, no, develop the full toolbox 
and now you're a basketball player. All right. Trade deadline yesterday, Thaddeus Young, exactly what we're discussing, now a member of the Toronto Raptors, and here is Raptors general manager Bobby Webster talking about the acquisition of Thaddeus Young and what he brings to the team, his thoughts on the player overall. Bobby Webster on Thaddeus Young. Yeah, you know, Thaddeus, I think we've, you know, he's a known commodity around the NBA, and I think for us, we followed him for a while. We've, um, you know, we've, we've made a few attempts to get him, you know, via trades in prior years, so we felt like, you know, this was a, a good situation where, um, you know, we're bringing him into Toronto, um, and he's at a point in his career where we think he really complements the core and doesn't necessarily, um, he kind of compliments more than tries to kind of substitute what they're doing. And I think that was, you know, part of the philosophy for us was, you know, maintaining and respecting what this group is doing and how can we add to it? I think he's a high level professional, obviously being in the league this long, uh, you know, he's developed into a leader. I think you saw that probably even, you know, with Chicago in the last few years. Um, and then the defensive versatility, obviously we, we, we like that ability to switch. He's disruptive, good hands. Um, and then on offense, I think he's, you know, he's a smart player. He can pass a little, uh, he kind of knows where to be. Um, and so in that sense, we felt from a off the court in the locker room, you know, helping some of these guys grow. Um, but then also on the court, uh, you know, still being a productive player. Everyone always says it, but you don't know what really slips out of your grasp because you don't know what was there. Um, you know, are you talking about dozens of players? Yes. And other deals happen. Um, but that was, was pretty high on our list from the start. And I think that was, that was obviously what drew us, drew, drew us to him at the end of the day was, you know, we always liked him and it's been someone we tried to get for a few years. That, that's, that's the key right towards the end there, Jonesy, trying to get him for a few years. We have heard his name, Thaddeus Young, linked to the Raptors for quite some time. In fact, I would argue we've heard his name linked to a lot of teams for a number of years because he's the kind of guy that many teams want and feel they need and, and could be a piece and a very good piece. And now this guy has a chance to help the Raptors over the final third of the season. Yeah, uh, and and like I said, uh, love the move because of what he gives you as a veteran. Uh, you, you you just you have to love that, and that's a good. Uh, how do I how do I put this? Kind of a nice uh, under the radar. Uh, you know, our, our colleague Sherman Hamilton said that under the radar kind of move for for Toronto. And um, Thad Young's a vet. Thad Young's a vet, and. He's not going to upset the apple cart. There were there were clubs that wouldn't give him up. You know, a guy that mm-hmm. we have on on the show uh, from time to time, Billy King, who was the GM in Philadelphia. That was people would say that all the time. Well, he he wants to, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he you know he wants to hang on to Kyle Korver. He wants to hang on to Thaddeus Young. I would too. They're good players. Uh, one more from Bobby Webster. Many people wondering, Jonesy, going into yesterday, what might the Raptors do? Because there's no way, of course, that they're going to trade Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes. And, of course, they didn't. And Bobby Webster addressed the core of his team as the deadline came and went. And the Raptors look to make a push, not just this season, but for years to come. Bobby Webster. I think it goes back to when we kind of decided to go down this path this summer and you know, the types of players, especially on the defensive end that, you know, coach nurse likes to play. And I think that these guys like to play. And we started to see it a little bit probably in, you know, 
the bubble run. Um, and so it's fun to see this team to come together. I think, you know, due to COVID and, and injuries, we didn't really see the full group. And to be fair to them, they didn't have a ton of time together playing. I think for the first time we're seeing that everyone relatively healthy, um, understanding, you know, their expectations, understanding their roles and what we're trying to do on both ends. Um, so that's probably been the most rewarding. Yes, yeah, so obviously trading for, for Thad, you get his bird rights, which gives us a lot of options this summer. Um, obviously, we have a couple of free agents in, that we'd like to resign, and then we have our mid-level. So I think between those three, uh, we feel like we have some you know, ability to spend um, you know, either keeping our own players or going out and get some other ones. There is Bobby Webster, general manager of the Toronto Raptors, addressing the media yesterday uh, after the trade deadline. The Raptors again dealing Goran Dragic to the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for Thaddeus Young and Drew Eubanks, who has since been waived. Thaddeus Young, we, we think, we hope, we assume, is playing tomorrow uh, against the Nuggets. We'll try and get official confirmation on that, but I believe that is the case as the Raptors get set for the Denver Nuggets. But, Jonesy, let's talk more about Thaddeus Young, his time with San Antonio, just his time in the league, period. Uh, a vet that is a valuable piece, 33 years old, coming to the Raptors, and a man that played in the league and that has broadcasted his games this season, played against him as well when he was in the league. Matt Bonner, the Red Rocket, will join us after the break on Smith & Jones. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptors Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. got to get, get him in here and take a look at him, but I think my favorite thing is he's going to be versatile on the defensive end, so we won't have to really change any of the things that we're doing. He, you know, once he, once he picks him up, has some time with us, he ought to be able to execute all the things we want him to at that end. There is Nick Nurse, Raptors head coach, talking about Thaddeus Young. That was prior to the game last night. Raptors go out and blow out the Houston Rockets. Eight wins in a row now for the Toronto Raptors, sitting in sixth in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. And hopefully Thaddeus Young in uniform tomorrow when the Raptors get set to host the Denver Nuggets. All right, I know he's on the line, but uh, just, just bear with us, Matt, for like maybe 60 seconds or less. I have to give out the answer, Jonesy, to the trivia question. Again, you get no prize. It's just our undying respect and admiration and gratitude and everything else. We had a bunch of people write in with the various guesses and responses, Aaron and Bob and our guy George, Michael, uh, many more. Mike Roach as well. Matt. Mike, by the way, he's got a good show, great new show uh, with uh, affiliated, I believe, with Yahoo Sports uh, with Chris Boucher. So check that out. So a whole bunch of people responding in here. And I wonder even if, as he's listening, if Matt Bonner has any guesses to this or any thoughts on this. But we were talking about 40-point performances in Raptor franchise history. Vince Carter, 14, DeMar DeRozan, 13, Chris Bosh, 9, Kyle Lowry, 4, Pascal Siakam, 3, Kawhi Leonard, 2, and after last night, already, Gary Trent Jr. with 2. We asked you, 8 players, 8 other players went for 40-plus once. How many of the 8 could you guess? I believe, based on my quick scroll through Twitter, nobody got all 8. A couple people got 5, but nobody got all 8, and there were some wrong guesses. Mo Pete didn't do it. Jose Calderon didn't do it. Um, uh, Mike James didn't do it. Daniel Marshall didn't. Here are the eight. All right. Andrea Bargnani, AC Earl, Tracy Murray, Norm Powell, Terrence Ross, 
Fred Van Vliet and Charlie Villanueva. Those are your eight that have done it in franchise history just one time. And, yes, those were done in uh, alphabetical order, not in, in you know chronological order. So those are okay. your eight. And Jonesy, only one guy that I can think of left the floor flexing like Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior after a dust-up with Kevin Garnett. He didn't go for 40-plus, but he left the floor like a wrestler. And that's our guy, Matt Bonner. You mean, you, you mean there's not seven other players on that list? <laughs> no. I don't believe so. No. Not that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was, Matty, I remember that night, and that was... That was the ultimate, the ultimate spitting in Superman's face, the way that happened against Minnesota with, you know, tough guy Kevin Garnett and all of it. It's like, it was like, you know, when you're, your kid's doing something and you're like, no, don't do that. Like he's reaching for the stove or she's reaching for the stove. Like, no, that, don't do that. You're going to, don't do that. And like Matt Bonner, the Red Rocket is taking on Kevin Garnett. Like, no, don't do that. And, and you walked away, arms in the air, to live to tell about it. I'm like, all right, maybe next time you just stand back. And the kid's reaching not for the stove, but for the button to turn the stove off and knows what they're doing. So <laughs> hey, there you no go, easy Matt. two. No easy two. That's, that's how I play. Ernie, that that is a flagrant. The most, the most important thing, we won the game. And that was back when Minnesota was like, I think they might have had the best record in the league at the time. So that's the most important thing. I thought you were going to say, and that was the last time Minnesota was good because they're finally good again. It's taken damn near 20 years, but they're finally good again. Um, yeah. Matt, Thaddeus, Thaddeus Young, you've broadcasted his games this season, but you know, with due respect, putting that aside, you've played against the man as well. Uh, we were saying just a, a few moments ago, you know, for all the reasons that we like the move, it's the same reason that damn near every team in the league at some point has seemed to want either a player like Thaddeus Young or Thaddeus Young specifically. What's your, 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 your take on him and your experience with him and, and what he's going to now bring to this Raptor team that's trying to make that playoff push and, 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 uh, and go into this final third of the season? Well, first and foremost, he, he's a great guy. He's a pro's pro. He's well-liked. So coming into any situation chemistry-wise, you know he's going to fit in and be well-liked by his teammates and not – you know, damper or ruffle any feathers in that regard. And then as far as playing, super consistent. You you know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, he's shown it for – it feels like he's been in the league for like 28 years. And even on the Spurs, obviously he was in and out of the rotation, uh, you know, trying to develop some younger talent and give them opportunities. So he wasn't playing most nights. But when called upon, he was always ready. And I think that speaks volumes to, like I said, being a pro's pro and the type of player he is. So all that being said, I, I think he's a, a great addition to any team. He's a vet, veteran presence. And, uh, you know, I heard, I caught a little bit of, I guess, Nick Nurse's comments when before he patched me in, just saying he's another versatile guy who, who can switch, guard multiple positions. Um one of the things I found highly underrated with his game was his passing ability, his ability to play within an offense, within a system, and have the basketball IQ to understand where the ball needs to move to, who has the hot hand. If guys cut, he's great at finding them. Um, just within the flow of an offense, 
playing in that team concept was was really fun watching from him this year. Uh, Matt, you would you would see that in in San Antonio. Um, what was he like with the younger players? Because you said that in and out of the lineup, uh, San Antonio on a kind of a, a mission now to develop their younger players. Uh, what was he like? I mean, and, and San Antonio, dare I say, is not a championship atmosphere now. It's certainly pushing for the playoffs and, and the play-in. But what was he like with the young guys in that kind of an atmosphere? Uh, a leader. It, it comes down to that veteran presence. A, a lot of the teams that are either rebuilding or trying to figure out what their next step is, I think a lot of times not understanding the importance of having some of that, some veteran presence in the locker room to kind of teach them the right way to go about things, the right way to do things, what it takes to get better, the process. Um, I think that gets lost in today's NBA. And he's one of those guys that's just been around forever and I think it was great for all the young new players on the San Antonio Spurs to have him around in the locker room, keeping a positive attitude, still going about his work, staying ready, showing them like, hey, you don't, you never know when your number is going to be called, and you got to be ready to help the team win games no matter what. For 30 seconds, if there's injuries, someone goes down with COVID, and now you're starting playing 30 plus, you got to be ready to go. It's a complete team effort to be successful within a regular season and going into playoffs. And I think he, he led by example in that regard, big time. Speaking with Matt Bonner, Matt, bear with me for a second because it might be a little bit long-winded. I think the Raptors thought or hoped that that's what Goran Dragic was going to be for them. Now, some fans uh, you know, are, are a little bit fired up about the fact that Goran Dragic basically, for argument's sake, never really even suited up for the Raptors. Yes, he was in training camp and preseason. He played a couple of games to start the season, was even in the starting lineup, and then suddenly it was like, you know what, like, this ain't working, and they they reached an agreement with the team where you can, you know, go back and be with family and not with the team, and he hasn't been a part of things for, like, damn near three months now. My understanding is, Jonesy, and we've been told, I, I think it's kind of out there, that there was a legitimate reason uh, there were, were some family concerns or issues. I don't know what that necessarily is. But, Matt, it does kind of, I guess, rub some folks the wrong way when they see him still working out or he's in Miami in heat gear working out or he's at a heat game sitting courtside when he's still technically, technically, a member of the Toronto Raptors before the deal yesterday. But in general, putting what Goron ultimately wasn't or couldn't be for the Raptors, what Thad was for the Spurs... How difficult is that transition later in a career when you're a vet player and you know you're not playing 25, you're lucky to play 15, or maybe you're only playing five, or maybe you're not playing at all, and you're, as you just talked about, you're just that voice, that old head in the locker room. How difficult is that to check the ego and to know you still have a role, even if it's not necessarily playing a whole lot? You know, I I never went through that as far as changing teams. I did changed my role obviously as my career went on to from a rotational player from a starter to a rotational player to like you know just the, the locker room veteran guy my last couple of years filling in where needed um and i think i honestly think it gets easier at least for me i mean i was never a star i wouldn't know how it would be like if you were a star player you look at the transition Carmelo anthony's made in his career going from scoring 25 plus a game to now 
all right, I'm a catch-and-shoot guy, play hard on defense, rebound, whatever the team needs. And I think it's admirable that he's made that shift and embraced it and had the second leg to his career. We saw Vince Carter do it with the Hawks, same thing. I, 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 I love it when I see guys do that and kind of understand, all right, I'm not necessarily the player I used to be in my older age, but I still love this game. I still have something to contribute, and I, and I still want to be part of a team and do whatever it takes, whatever role it takes to help my team be as successful as possible. So I think that's, that's something we saw from Dad when he came to the Spurs, you know, understanding, all right, I might not have the starter's role I've had for the last – Again, feels like 20-plus years. I don't even know how long he's been in the league. It's like forever. Uh, but, but embrace it and make the most of it and be a pro and be a, be a positive influence in the locker room and help the young guys and, and do what's asked of me. Uh, so I, I appreciate him for that, and I'm sure whatever's asked of him by the Toronto Raptors, he's going to do it to the best of his ability with a positive attitude. Hey, hey, Maddie, uh, you, you hit on something that that uh, really kind of uh, struck a chord with me. You know, Carmelo Anthony adjusting to his role, going from star to role player. And I look at what's going on with Russell Westbrook and how that is playing out in L.A. Is that, I mean, like you said, you were never that guy that, you know, touched, got 20 shots a game and, and touched the ball like that. How did how did Tim Duncan kind of do it at the end of his career? Because he, I'm not saying he became a role player, but he knew that he wasn't having the same impact and there were younger guys and he was trying to help them. What what bit of advice could you give from seeing him do it to some of the guys like, like Russ is not doing it and there are other guys that go down in flames because they're unwilling to make that change? Right. It, honestly, it all boils down to one thing. Are you over yourself? And that's basically the number one quality of being a San Antonio Spurs. Like, you have to get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about the team. It's putting the team first, checking your ego, all those things. And, and if you do that, then it, it just comes natural. Just as, the, as your career progresses, as younger guys come in, as more talented guys come in, you just kind of naturally do what's needed to give your team the best opportunity to be successful and win games. Uh, it, uh, it's got to be hard, you know, for some stars to, to make that transition just because, like you said, you're the guy. And for so many years, that's how it is. And whether you, I don't know, whether you realize it or not, I think a lot of it, is out of your control that becomes embedded in, in your ego and your mind and just kind of being able to get over that and let, let it go and understand the bigger picture. It's about winning basketball games. Then everything else should just fall into place. Speaking with Matt Bonner, Matt, we've been talking about Thad Young and, and I guess from a Raptors perspective now, let me focus on, on the team that you cover predominantly now, the, the San Antonio Spurs. With DeMar DeRozan obviously long gone now and in Chicago and now the deal with Thad Young, other, unless I'm wrong, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of anybody that's over 30. i got to think maybe Doug McDermott's the only one. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, I guess technically speaking, Goran Dragic hasn't been waived yet. But, I mean, my point being, 
where do the Spurs look to now in terms of that sort of veteran leader, or is that something that obviously won't be kind of dealt with now over the last 25, 30 games? It's something where you retool in the offseason as you've got this young core, you move forward, and the organization maybe goes out and finds one or two of those guys to be the glue guys, the vets in the locker room, et cetera. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm a big fan of having a mix. I mean, obviously, that's what kicked off this conversation. I, I thought when we won the championship in 2014, obviously we still had Tim, Tony, and Manu, but I, I loved our mix of like young up-and-coming talent, Patty Mills, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, mixed in with older vet guys. It, it just it was just created a great chemistry and dynamic in the locker room on and off the court. So I'm a fan of that. You're right. The, with the Spurs making the moves they've made, they're, they've gotten a lot, even younger. They were already really young. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously DeJounte Murray has emerged as a, as a leader, made his first all-star team. Also congrats, Fred Van Vliet. That's awesome right, that he made it. But, uh, you know, DeJounte is basically the elder statesman, maybe not age, but he's been there the longest. And he's the point guard, which helps, I think, in that regard. He's taken a huge step forward, almost averages a triple-double, made the all-star team. It's basically, uh, you know, his team. He's got the keys right now. He's got to set the tone, which I think he's done a great job doing. And then, uh, you know, the one thing I'll say about the Spurs personnel, even though there's not a lot of veterans, they're all, like, really – hard-playing, high-character, gutsy guys. Like, you go down the line, everybody's story, nobody was really handed anything. They all had to work, you know, older rookies coming from overseas or got waived by other teams or this this person team gave up on them, now they got this chance. You know, Spurs just do such a great job finding guys like that and – and developing them and giving them confidence and empowering them. It's been really fun, win or lose, watching that group every night just leave it on the floor. Like, you know they're going to play hard. You can never fault their effort, whatever the record is. And, you know, I appreciate that as a former Spur and obviously fan of the organization and the team. So uh, it'll be, it will be interesting moving forward as they start to rebuild things, what moves they make in that regard. Matt, listen, man, we appreciate the time today. As always, hope you and the family are doing well, and we'll look forward to uh, chatting again soon and hopefully one of these days getting to see you in person again too. All the best, man. Yeah, you too, and go Raps. It's awesome to see them playing well and making a run in this final part of the season. Thanks, Matt. There is Matt Bonner, former Toronto Raptor, Long-time San Antonio Spurs well, NBA champion, and now working on the Spurs broadcast as well. Always love chatting with uh, with Matt. And, uh, yeah, I think that Jonesy, I mean, he hit the nail on the head just in, in terms of his assessment of, of Thaddeus Young, everything we've been discussing, the, the, the qualities, the tangibles and intangibles that he brings to this team as the Raptors try to keep it going here not just keep it going in terms of the win streak I mean it's incredible yes that they've got an eight game winning streak following the victory last night over the Rockets but sitting in sixth in the Eastern Conference playoff picture and it's crazy to think but because of this hot streak that they're on you start looking and going okay well they're only a game up on the Celtics because Boston hasn't slowed down they've won six in a row but 
are you a half glass empty or half glass full? Because you could look at it and go, well, they're only a game back of the 76ers in that fifth seed. For that matter, they're only four games out of the number one spot, and they're only two and a half back of two, three, four, where basically the Bulls, Cavs, and Bucks are all tied with essentially the same type of record. Bulls and Cavs both at 34 and 21, and the Bucks at 35 and 22 have played two more games. They've got one more win and one more loss, so they're technically mathematically behind both the Cavs and Bulls. But in terms of games back of the Heat, all three of those teams only a game and a half back, and the Raptors right on the heels. Like It's crazy to see how high Toronto has risen and how high can they go, right? That's the Eastie. Uh, we talk about how open it is. Uh, you know, Brooklyn, uh, <laughs> you know, look at where they are now. Uh, they lose a close one last night again, and they just, it, it just, the East is just so wide open that, you know, you win a few, you lose a few, and you can, you can jump or dip in the standings in, in, that, in that much time. Um, yeah, good challenge for the Raptors tomorrow night. The good thing is they get Denver coming in off a of back-to-back with Boston. True. Denver right now, the sixth seed in the Western Conference, sitting at 30-24. and 24. They've won two in a row, getting set for that game tonight against the Boston Celtics. Folks, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review and share as well. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Raptors getting set for the Denver Nuggets tomorrow as the Raptors have won eight in a row following their victory last night over the Houston Rockets. Toronto sixth in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. And NBA trade deadline yesterday, the Raptors picking up Thaddeus Young from the San Antonio Spurs, but a lot of other deals around the association, including a blockbuster between Philadelphia and Brooklyn to chat about a whole bunch of uh, those trades and storylines and much more. We always love chatting with our friend, from ESPN, the undefeated senior NBA writer, Mark Spears. Spearsy, thanks for the time as always. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Spearsy. Oh, good afternoon. I don't know where you guys are a couple hours ahead. Yeah, it's still morning, though. Still morning, 11.32. We haven't hit noon yet, so it's still morning for us. You know, you know, it's trying to trying to sip on that Tim Horton still, Mark. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to get by. Trying to get yeah. by. Um, Mark, got, hey, man. Hey, I just want you to know I got your care package ready for when either A, you get across the border, or E, Smith, and I get across the border. We declare it at the border because Uncle Sam always asks us, you okay. got anything to declare? You got anything to declare? I'm like, and, and they're cool if you declare it. It's when you try to sneak it. It's, it's when you try to, you know, it's when you try to fake the dribble handoff and go to the hoop and you get called for a charge. You're like, oh, man. And like, no, man, if you'd have handed the ball off, it would have been fine. So we declare it, and if we come that way, you will get your package. You'll be here for the playoff. I'll see you. All right. Talk to the boss. Oh, <laughs> 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 
So, Spearsy, looking back at yesterday, um, we can go on a bunch of different angles, but which which trade do you think improved which team the most? And we won't know, obviously, until they go play games, but at least on paper, just assessing what you what you saw go down, which team do you think ultimately uh, came away um, looking best when the dust settled at 3 p.m. Eastern? You know, I'm going to take the Philly-Brooklyn one out of the equation. There's too many variables there. Um, I do think that trade was good for both teams, not just from a basketball standpoint, but a mental standpoint. I, shoot, the Nets were out here two weeks ago, and I could have told you Harden had to get out just based on what I was seeing behind the scenes. Um, so I'm not surprised by that, and it's good for Ben. Um, but, you know, one, kind of probably off the beaten two, I really like. Um, New Orleans getting T.J. McCollum. Uh, I, I think it's great for them to have a veteran, very good number two, number three score that class on and off the court, right? Like that young group needs that, and I think that's certainly valuable for a young group. Um, probably one that would catch you by surprise the bonus was a huge get for um, the Kings. And that's not to say Halliburton won't be a really good player or a special player, but you got to give something to get something. And I, I think Sabonis is very underrated. You guys probably see him more than me. He's like a 20, 12, and 5 machine. And you can see his impact in the first game. It was almost like a uh, healthy DeMarcus Cousins came back there. And uh, so I, I think that it might be too late to make the impact it needs to make this season. But I, I, I think I like Sacramento, like, sitting on their hands anymore and, and doing something. And, yeah, there's certainly some risk. And, yeah, Halliburton could be a star. But, you know, people forget to bonus is a two-time All-Star who's one of only two players that could that are given NBA teams 8, 10, and 5 right now. Mark, on that, in that vein, what do, you said Sacramento not sitting on their hands, and you're out there, you live in the Bay Area, you're close to them. Yeah. What, what, do you think, what do you think the plan is right now? Like what happens with Alvin Gentry as the interim? Uh, the, the, Sabonis, I, I, the Sabonis move, they got out from Buddy's contract. Um, yeah. Dante DiVincenzo. We're talking about that part. Yeah, yeah, Dante DiVincenzo's a good pickup, and ironically, Connaughton fractures his hand last night, and boy, wouldn't Milwaukee love to look down the bench and put DiVincenzo wow. in, but what do you think is going on with Sacramento and, and where they might be headed, Mark? Um, I think right now, and I, I need to look at the standings, they're hoping to get things moving to get in the playing area, right? Um, yeah. This team has not been in a playoff since 2000. Six. Wow, 2006, man, and it's a so there's a lot of pain franchise. Um, like it reminded me like when I was a kid growing up on the Warriors, watching the Warriors and how bad they were. And as a kid, you're like, man, there's three weeks left and they're three games out. They still have a chance. <laughs> like, and and I think for Kings fans, their life for like the last 15 years. Um, so right now they're actually two games out of the tenth spot. 
Lakers aren't exactly lighting it up. Clippers aren't exactly lighting it up. New Orleans is in reach. Um, I think they uh, they got a shot with this team to move up the ladder and at minimum, man, like, I, I don't know if they catch up to Minnesota or anything like that, but if they could actually at least get in the play-in area, it, it sounds like a little thing, right? But I think for Sacramento fans, that would, like, be a huge deal, even if it was on the road, to, like, be put in that kind of position. You know, Mark, we, we've talked a lot and about the guys, Kings. You guys know in those play-in games, like, yeah. anything could happen there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're, 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 we might be starting a, a campaign or, or something, Mark. Like, we, we were talking about it briefly on the show yesterday. Jonesy asked me, do you count the play-in game as a playoff game? And my gut right away was no. Like, it's a play-in. You got to win, yeah. and then you're in the playoffs. But yeah. I look at it differently in baseball. I count the wild card as a playoff game. So I feel like the yeah. NBA just needs to change the name. Mm. Just call it wild card because then it's yeah. still technically playoffs. This play in yeah. makes me think, well, you're not actually in yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, I mean, I hate the baseball wild card as an A's fan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like, to me – like either like to me it's like you, you play too many games it's not fair you know what I mean it seemed like when the NBA came up with it it was a ploy to try to get Zion into the playoffs it didn't work right um, it cost like Grizzlies fans don't want to hear it but it cost the NBA having the Warriors in the playoffs in the first round Steph Curry in the playoffs in the first round it cost my employer ESPN in terms of TV ratings or, mm-hmm. or you know, you guys network out there, TV ratings. So, like, yes, it's it's a cool jolt for TV in the beginning, right? Because you had Steph versus LeBron, but it's one game, right? I mean, I, I just I just don't think it's fair. Because then another thing, as you guys know, and baseball knows, is um, injuries can play a role in it, right? So to me. I, I guess the one thing that's good about football one is if you're the higher seed that you gotta get beaten twice. Right. So there there's that part. So but in like baseball I just think it's absolutely stupid because it's pitching involved you know, and is your ace ready? You, you know you know what I'm saying? And then it screws you up for the next series. Not I actually think in baseball this might sound I know I'm going on a tangent here, uh the first day should be a doubleheader. Need another day to uh, play a, you know, a tiebreaker game than do that. Hmm. Hey, Mark, I want to, I want to uh, jump back. Two games is a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to jump back to uh, the trade stuff. Um, are you surprised the Clippers kind of? I wouldn't say gave up, but. Uh, what's the direction there? They let Serge go, and that's a like I see that as a good piece. He's not the Serge from the championship yeah. three years ago in Toronto, but he he would be a, a that's a good piece for Milwaukee moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I guess the thing is where the Clippers probably were frustrated was he was hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. How many right. games did he even play for him? 
right? And um, so uh, maybe they – to me, that when you see a team like the Clippers, either one of two things, either they're giving up on the season or they feel like the players lost a step. Like he's not the same player. But that being said, I mean, Serge had a pretty good game the other day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, he, he saw he saw a flash, but there's there's been too many disappointing days, I think, with the Clippers. Like he didn't play the entire postseason for him. Right? So if it, it was bad enough that Kawhi was out, but, like, if, if Serge was playing, those were going to happen against the Suns. Um that's certainly a curious thing. He was coming off the bench. He like to play small. So, really, that team's going to live or die with, um, you know, uh, Kawhi and PG's health. So, I, I, I don't – it appeared, even though they have another big guy, that they, they prefer to go small, and, and he's not a starter, so he was expendable. Speaking with Mark Spears from ESPN, The Undefeated. Mark, before we get to – we, we do have to talk to about Harden and, and, and Simmons as well. Um, but before we get to that, Tim Legler, your colleague at ESPN, he was he – was, I mean, he had a great line, and he's, he's bang on, I think, talking about Chris Stapp's Porzingis and basically saying they call him the unicorn because you never see him because he's always out of the lineup. He's, he's barely playing for the Mavericks. So he, he feels he feels at least that it was a great move for the Mavs to move on from yeah. Porzingis and, and to be able to get back what they got and having Dinwiddie come in there. What was your sense of that trade and what the Mavericks uh, had did on deadline day and, and where they're positioning themselves right now, having won four in a row, sitting in that fifth seed and, and obviously trying to make a run here? Uh, I think it was... Um poor secret that Luca didn't really see out of Ira Carlisle or Porzingis. So I, I always felt like it was a matter of time before those changes were going to be made. And, you know, now the new GM, Nico Harrison, I think is doing a great job. You know, the change was made. Um, to me, for Porzingis, man, this is a wake-up call. Like, you were supposed to be a superstar in this league, and you haven't been. And now that Bill, he's going to place where Bill's not going to play. Um, I think the franchise is really gambling and hoping that he could look like something that will make Bill want to be back, right? I mean, obviously there's a lot of money that Bill can get in Washington, so the expectation is that he stays. Um, But, yeah, like, you know, the days of being the diva in New York and being the face, like the expectations for superstardom have passed. And so I think he needs to focus on basketball, get back to it, and and try to be the star that, that people projected him to be. Um, he's going to get the ball in Washington. They have to give him the ball. But I, I, the, the excitement about Porzingis and what he should be, to me, kind of become a thing of the past. In terms of Dinwiddie, it's funny. I have him on my <laughs> I've had him on my fantasy basketball team like five times this year, man. I've like got him and cut him, got him and cut him. And the reason being is he's always hurt, man. Like, hurt, and he's, one day he'll have 28, and the next game he'll have four. And, you know, if you have a fantasy team, you need consistency. You don't need sporadic, right? So I don't know what he could give him. 
Um, obviously, the injury had a huge toll on him. And, um, I, I, I don't know. You know, isn't, isn't Dragic supposed to go there, too? To go uh, that's the that, that's the yeah. that's the rumor, the speculation. He's going to land there once he gets waived by the Spurs. Yeah. yeah. So so maybe collectively between him and Dragic, they could they could get some really good guard play uh, to go alongside Luca. Uh, you know, Mark, I'm I'm looking at the other side. I, I heard all that you said about Porzingis. I'm looking at the other side. Why would Washington do that? Because he does. He's got a big number, and it's a player yeah. option. Um, is is this yet another try to do something with Bradley Beal once he gets healthy? I, I think it's um, rolling the dice on a potential star, believing in what he was expected to be. Um, I mean, you you see you've seen the talent. He's seven three and can he's skilled and you know can score and you know playing with Luca was probably hard for him. See the ball like yeah, there were times when got shined off too right so now hey nothing standing away of him and, and big offensive night on a nightly basis so that i think that's the thing the the unicorn uh hilarious thing that legless said like shake that off this, this is his chance to me this is his um last opportunity that he could be a, a elite player in this league I think it's the the Wizards are giving much to. I think it's worth the gamble for. Does it hit? Eh, fifty fifty, right? For for Dinwiddie, I think it was worth it. You know, Jonesy, I, I don't think you and I have ever made this comparison, so I, I don't want to rope you in with me if you don't agree. But I'm just sitting here listening to everything you're talking about, Mark, and and everything we've been discussing even earlier in the show about Porzingis. And I think about, you know, we talk often about different players in different eras and what they might be or what they could have been had they played at this time or that time. Am I wrong to make some sort of at least quasi-close comparisons or analogies to, yeah, I know, I'm showing my Raptor colors a little bit here, Andrea Bargnani and Kristaps Porzingis? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Why? Uh, no. I, I heard Jonesy. <laughs> yeah, like, you uh, know, I, I I guess seeing Bargnani, some, let me jump in here, Mark. I guess seeing Bargnani as much as we did, Eric, I, I think there was an expectation. I think that's what is, is weighing on Porzingis, and I think that's what weighed on Bargnani. Even when something was good, it's like, well, it's about time. Like, come on, let's let's make this consistent. And it's hard when you have expectations to perform to the expectations enough, enough, so that people say, yeah, you know what, that he's, he's given us what we expect. Because, I mean, how many guys have done that as a number one pick or as a high draft pick or as a lottery pick? That's tough to do. And I, and I think that's why everybody keeps taking a chance maybe on Porzingis, Mark, to your point before. Well, I, with Bargnani, I like since Porzingis walked in the league. There's a difference. What there's a swag about him. There's a I'm a superstar about him, right? There's a kind. Bargnani didn't have that. He didn't have that confidence. He didn't have that yeah. swag. He didn't. He didn't feel like he was a superstar, right? So I, I think yeah, I think comparatively, there's things there with height and skills and 
Um, although Bargnani was probably more of a pull-up guy than a, hey, let me cross. He went crossing people over like Porzingis could. Um, but no, the swag and the confidence were certainly on a different level. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Speaking with Mark Spears. Spearsy, um, all right, what about Harden and Simmons and that deal? Because at first glance, I, I think a lot of people think, hey, Philly got their guy. They've been wanting Harden. They get him. They don't have to chase him in free agency. And then you start seeing the details of the trade come out and go, hold on a second. Brooklyn didn't just get Ben Simmons. You get Seth Curry and, and Andre Drummond, and you, you get a couple of yeah. first-rounders. And, like, hold on a second. Sean Marks is looking pretty good coming out of this deal, isn't he? No, I, I definitely like it for the Suns. I, I do expect Ben to probably play after the trade deadline and, um, you know, be rejuvenated, be happy, um, and fit in well there. Like, he doesn't need the ball to be successful. He'll, he'll be able to do a lot of things off the ball. And, they, hey, they don't need him to shoot threes there, right? <laughs> they got two, two or three guys, four guys that can certainly do that. So, um, I think kind of lost in that is you got another shooter in Seth, and then Drummond gives them probably some size that they need, you know, too, especially, you know, playing against uh, Embiid probably, right? So uh, got to practice against him a lot. Probably knows him as well as anybody. So I, I like that a lot. And with, with Harden, when you got two players that love to have the ball in their hands and be aggressive, um not that the Nets don't have that, but the dance between those two guys in Philly probably is going to take a little bit longer to get right. They got some time before the playoffs. Um, I wonder how their egos coexist as well. But right now everything seems um, pretty pretty kumbaya, right? Um, yeah. And uh, so it's probably a good trade for both teams. Hey, Mark, we appreciate the time, as always, and wanted to let people know as well to check out your latest piece at theundefeated.com, uh, feature on Bismack Biombo and, uh, and talking a lot about his late father. We had Biz on the show a couple of weeks ago and, and had a similar conversation, Mark, and it's certainly, uh, certainly a great story, uh, heartwarming, heartbreaking to some extent as well. Um, and, uh, again, folks, check that out at theundefeated.com. Mark, always appreciate it, and we'll look forward to chatting soon. Love you, big man. All right, fellas. Take care now. All right. There is Mark Spears, again, from ESPN and The Undefeated. Uh, always love chatting with him. NBA trade deadline coming and going, and a lot of moves around the league. And I, I have seen Spearsy, Jonesy, he started the conversation talking to us a lot about uh, the deal between the Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. And uh, he's a guy that um, maybe even, listen, you, you said it about Sabonis, no doubt. Like, it's not that Sacramento got a bad player. They got an all-star, period. He's a hell of a player. I agree. But a lot of people, including me, including you to a certain extent as well, were focusing a lot on, well, hold on a second, but they gave up Halliburton. What the heck? And I've seen Spearsy defending that trade a ton uh, on social media to a lot of fans that are kind of freaking out about the fact, even Kings fans freaking out about the fact that they gave up Halliburton and not realizing or or embracing the fact that you got a hell of a player in Sabonis, and he's right yeah. when you look at the standings. Um, you know, they're right there knocking on the door of at least sliding into that 10th seed and maybe, maybe a chance to go a little bit higher. And if you get in there, I think I'm going to start calling it the wild card, not the plan. I think it sounds better. If you get into one of those wild card spots, Jonesy, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Eric, uh, on, on two fronts. I, 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 to me, that's the playoffs. Because anytime you're playing one game and your season can end, 
I don't care what you call it. It's it's playoffs, and if it's even if it's the last game of the year, uh, you, you know, and and you got to play your way in. That's a playoff game, even in the regular season. And then for the Kings, man, they need something for that franchise. They really do. And we just, you know, they're our punching bag. We beat them around when people and them in Minnesota, who looks like they're coming out of it this year, but when they, you know, when people talk about oh tanking and getting the lottery, and like there are teams like. I mean, Sacramento comes to mind. I mean, look at Oklahoma City just trying to gather draft picks. When was the last time they were good? New Orleans got the number one pick with Zion, and they're still fighting it. So uh, for that franchise, though, and, and they, they, have a good, they have a good fan base, Eric. And uh, DeMore, my brother's out there, and I talk to him. Those people love their basketball, and they, they kind of have the early Raptor complex, like, we we just want to be good and give us some attention, right? That's all they want. Yeah. You're bang on Jonesy, the fan base, the building, the ownership. Like they got all the pieces in place that you want except the team doing it on the floor. And they've had lots of opportunities with high picks and whatnot. So now they've made a trade and they've acquired an all-star. All right, let's see it. Let's see it. Let's go out and do it, right? Yeah, let's do it. Who you got? Rams or Bengals? Before we go off air. Rams. Going Rams. You're not going to give me yours? You got like 15 yeah. seconds. I'm, 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 I'm working on my shot. Oh, boy. Here I'll we go. go. I'll go. I'm going to go Bengals. I'm going to go okay. Bengals. All right. Well, one of us will be right on Monday then. <laughs> one of us will be right. <laughs> Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, folks. Thanks for tuning in.